everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your Health Minute brought to you by Aqua Omega. And today we are going to be talking about periods, uh, something I know very, very little about. And so with us today to talk to you about, about that is Dr. Victoria La Liberté. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, this is going to be a really interesting show. I'm sure we're all going to learn a lot. And uh, why don't you start by... by uh, telling us a little about your, about yourself and you know what you're doing what you've been up to during the pandemic and uh, how you know how people can get a hold of you thank you max thank you for having me as max said i'm a naturopathic doctor here in toronto i work out of the mindful movement center in yorkville which is a wonderful pilates studio um i my practice is you know particularly interested in women's health such as period concerns working with fertility, um, but also reproductive health, skin health. Um, I work with some autoimmune conditions, but really focused on helping others create space for wellness in their everyday lives and working on their healthy foundations. Um, I've got a background in uh, medical research, and so I like to bring a good evidence-based approach to um, the, the natural therapeutics of, of naturopathic medicine. Um, but, you know, lately I've been still able to work, which is amazing. I'm very thankful, but spending a lot of time in the apartment with the cat <laughs> um, and just trying to make sure I get outside as regularly as possible. I have decided to commit to cycling year round in Toronto this year, which we will see how that goes. But I've been getting yeah, that's going to be a challenge with the snow. <laughs> Yes, a friend of mine told me there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. So no. I to, uh, you know, get all of the things from mech that will help protect me from the elements this year. Absolutely. But, uh, You'll have to send us some pictures. <laughs> yes, with my lobster so, gloves. Yes. <laughs> you can find at the, the Pilates Center and the Mindful Movement. Uh, what about your, you have a website and also... I do. My website is www.victorialaliberté.com. And uh, on Instagram, it's Dr. Laliberté, D-O-C-T-O-R, Laliberté, L-A-L-I-B-E-R-T-E. And we'll make sure to tag that in the description for the podcast. So let's dive in. Like, I have no clue. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't go through this. You know, like Calvin doesn't understand why, why, why his partner kind of like wants him to carry the groceries or wants to like milk it and sit on the couch. Whereas like somebody else, you know, is, is they're totally fine. They're up at the gym and they're moving around. And, you, you know, I think like even just from my experience, from my wife talking about, it, it's like super heavy periods, super light periods. Like what's causing that? I don't, I, I don't even know mm -hmm. to be honest. I don't even really like to talk about it all that much, but it's cool. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, even I, as a woman, I, didn't know until maybe like a few years ago that you shouldn't really experience like severe pain. So for like me and my mom, I always base it off my mom, basically, you know, she, she and I like are similar. It's like a nine day period. Sometimes, sometimes it's like multiple times in the month and it's like super crippling pain. Some days there was like, I remember one, when I was younger, I like actually thought I had to go to the hospital cause it just like, I couldn't even stand up. And my mom's like, yeah, it's okay. It's just normal. It sucks. It's painful. But I just had no idea. And then one of my good friends, when I talked to her about it, she's like, no, I have no pain. And I was like, what? How? <laughs> I, remember being a kid my, I remember being a kid and my sister going through that. 
and like like almost like bedridden kind of thing and i was like man i am so lucky to be a guy like <laughs> that would be mm -hmm. really terrible to go through that every month and and you know I, I just think from a guy's perspective i probably you've you guys have thought that as well so let's, let's jump in and i've got like these these kind of questions you or the, that we'd kind of gotten ready but what's causing this pain let's talk about that okay. maybe to kind of yeah. start off and maybe we get an understanding and yeah. then should, it, should we introduce should we introduce our guest, right? Because I know we're kind of having yeah. a fun format. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll do an intro ahead of it. Of like, we'll just do an interest, an intro ahead of like the show. I'll, we'll record it after the fact. Okay. 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 Yeah. So what uh, what is causing period pain? Well, okay. So with every cycle, every menstrual cycle, a woman's uterus is preparing for the possibility of pregnancy. So if an egg is not fertilized, then that inner lining of the uterus, which is called the endometrium, is broken down and is expelled. And so that is your period and that is the blood that you see every month or every 21 to 35 days. So in this process, your body is using inflammation, it's using signaling molecules called prostaglandins, for example, to help facilitate this process. So these prostaglandins are going to stimulate the uterus, which is a muscle, to contract and to shed this lining. And that's where the pain usually happens. So period cramps are medically called dysmenorrhea, and they're classified into primary or secondary. So secondary meaning secondary to something else. So in this case, secondary to a disorder in the reproductive system, which can be endometriosis, something called adenomyosis, um, uterine fibroids, pelvic inflammatory diseases. Um, a few other things can cause as well. Primary dysmenorrhea is probably the one that more people would be familiar with, the just sort of um, pain caused by the menstruation process itself. If nothing else is causing it, it's a painful period. Um, and that is generally attributed to the um, overabundance of the prostaglandins and the inflammatory mediators. So these prostaglandins are causing a narrowing of the blood vessels, in the in the uterine lining stimulating the uterus to contract and which allows for that shedding and and um, expulsion of the endometrium but if there's too many of them an overload it can cause an excess narrowing of those blood vessels leading to a decrease in blood flow to the uterus muscle itself causing something called hypoxia so decrease in oxygen to that muscle which is going to create pain and the the contractions themselves if there's a lot of them that can be um quite painful as well so prostaglandins they're kind of like hormone-like uh, molecules and they're made from uh, arachidonic acid which is a omega-6 mm -hmm. i'm in a good crowd to talk about mm -hmm. omega-6s <laughs> so and see it max his ears pierce up when he, every time he's saying i'm just waiting, I'm just waiting <laughs> to hear how, how omega-3s will help reduce that inflammation <laughs> speaking the magic words here um but omega-6 they're polyunsaturated fatty acids typically found from things like vegetable oils and um so in that you've got the arachidonic acid or aa which is used to help modulate inflammatory processes in the body um, so omega-3 fatty acids, such as your EPA, DHA, they have a more antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effect, um, and they can actually suppress uh, some of the inflammatory action from those omega-6s. So having a richer amount of omega-3s can have that anti-inflammatory action, but it also um, 
help to supply the the cell membranes with omega-3s versus omega-6. You know, like Max, you could probably say better than I do. In our classic uh, North American diet, what's the ratio of omega-6? Oh, it's almost omega 20 to 1 now. It's unbelievable. Like, and I, I, one, I right? yeah, like 20 to 25 to 1 and like, like potentially more and more and more because a lot of like the, the species, uh, the proteins that we eat, they used to be kind of like, you know, free range fish, which would eat, have a kind of regular diet of algae and other kind of species. They're now being fed with corn and, and soy, which is all high in omega-6. Same thing with our, 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 the, the uh, cattle that we're feeding. They're, they're, they're not kind of like pasture raised where they're eating a lot of kind of grass and, and having a higher level of omega-3. They're force fed grains and corn. And so, the, so the omega-6 goes up, but then all like, you know, palm oils almost in everything, uh, soys and everything, all these food preservatives, you cooking it. So our omega-6 and it keeps going up. And that's what I was going to go with my question is like, is it possible that there's more endometriosis kind of pain now than there was before because of our, our the delta in the omega-6 to omega-3 index and the elevated level of inflammation and the excessive production of prostaglandins? Entirely likely, and I'll make a, just a, a light correction to you there. Endometriosis is a condition in which the endometrial tissue that is normally found within the uterus is found in other places in the body versus okay. dysmenorrhea would be the, the period pain itself. So endometriosis represents a, a population, a percentage of women who have period pain, but not all women who have period pain have endometriosis. Okay. That makes sense. I um, correction. Like I said, I, there's this <laughs> topic that I, I know a lot about omega threes, but yeah. I don't know a lot about periods, and I don't know a lot sure. about anything. Everybody talks about PCOS and endometriosis, and you know, mm -hmm. I think sometimes as a guy, we can lump all that together and be like, oh, it's, it's just period stuff. You know, it's that's what's going on, and I'm gonna be super on my best behavior to not piss you off during this time. You know, and I'm gonna really be helpful with the kids and do all these things, but like you know, hey Calvin, you're laughing. I know what's going on with you, and so uh, you know that's that's where we lump these things in. So I appreciate being corrected because I think like from a guy's perspective, if we can have a better understanding, mm -hmm. then maybe we can support better or support a better lifestyle to help kind of relieve some of this. Absolutely, I think it's it's similar to even uh, like the birth process. You know, whenever a woman is about to give birth, if her husband has no idea what's happening in the biology and the anatomy, he feels really at a loss. Like he doesn't know what's happening. He's trying to support. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and you know, increasing that education for something like that will allow a partner to be way more present and aware um, in that moment and be able to provide greater support because they understand they have a textbook understanding of what their partner is going through right yeah but so, I, don't I mean I've been, we went through twice but we have two beautiful girls and like my wife's tough as nails and like we watched like she went through it two times and, and it went really well both times but like you know, just seeing her go through contractions and the amount of pain that she's going through, like, I, I can't physically understand that. But having seen that after, I was like, yo, if guys had to do that, our population would go in extinct. Like, you guys are bad ass. Like, that is some shit. Like, that is, seriously, like, it's it's an incredible process. But if I had to do it, I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I recently shared her story and she said, you know, when I thought I was at my nine out of 10, pain i realized later on that that was only like a three 
at a right. I know. So I like you get to learn whole new intensities of your pain scale and your pain. I was like, I bought a present. I was like, you can go like go to the spa, you know, like this is like that was shit. Like that was crazy. It's incredible. It's, it's really incredible what the 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 human yeah. body is able to do. Yeah, I and then learning about it. So I, was, I, I think remember like, learning about it in elementary school and looking over at Amanda and just being like, I am so sorry <laughs> that you have to go through this, but <laughs> like, am I ever dodging a bullet? Yeah, but like, I think like from what you're saying, like we understand that and we see that and that's like a very kind of, you know, physical and kind of like life-changing experience that we'd see, but we don't kind of give any credit to the period. You know, it's just like, oh, it's the thing you do too. You're going to be a little moody. You're going to give me some attitude. And it's like, give me the information i want to understand what's going on and mm -hmm. what we can do to support it and i think yeah. probably even like you know katie was 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 inferring to earlier like there's not a lot of i think even you know f i think as you grow up and you're as like, katie you can correct me but like you're just taught like this is just a thing you deal with once a month yeah exactly you know? Get the yeah. mite all get the mite all ready and get the heat packs mm -hmm. ready and, and just deal with it and you know mm -hmm. you'll We'll see you in another 21 to 35 days. Mm -hmm. Or even I less sometimes. I, I always wondered if there was like that locker room talk, you know, for, for high school girls where they get together and they just talk about their periods and compare, you know, because I know guys definitely do that with their bodies and they're changing. But I, I don't know. I don't know if it goes on on the other side. I'm, I'm not sure we played for the same teams. <laughs> we certainly didn't. Um, you know, I, I do think that being able to discuss these things with your friends but also with your partners is very important for that education piece and i i would say you know kind of what katie was talking about before too is is getting to know your own body um a little bit better as well um i think that we often don't pay attention to what what is happening within our our physical selves um because it's not thought as something that's important yeah, um, or it could be taboo even it could be taboo um or it could be over normalized mm -hmm. you know like that's just supposed to happen like period pains are extremely normalized you know um and periods can definitely bring some symptoms with them but but having that intense pain isn't quote unquote actually normal um you know you can have some discomfort in the in the lower abdomen or the pelvis or the back and this can calmly start at you know the starting of your period might last a day or two, um, but some women are experiencing like moderate to severe levels of pain, which can cause them to miss work, school, or other regular activities. And think of how much that impacts their lives. You know, if they have to book off work every time they have a cycle, if that happens every 21 days, that's every three weeks you have to take a sick day. Mm -hmm. uh, if it happens on a work day, like that's a that's, like I remember being on on the, I remember being on a, a sales trip and I was working with. Uh, one of a sales rep from one of the distributors that that works with us and we were out kind of touring and doing some trainings and some education and one of the days the last day of the thing was like look i can't i just can't i just started my period and i'm just like debil in debilitating pain and i i think you know i empathize like oh man that's terrible like that you're in that but i we don't understand what's actually going on and you know and, and you know how long has she been dealing with that so I, I don't know maybe kind of fill us in like how normal is it to for that to happen and how many people are actually dealing with that yeah in terms of percentages 
I think that the studies are a little bit all over the place. Like a lot of them will say about like 20% of women experience period pain. I'm like, ah, I think it's much higher than that. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I think about 10% of women have endometriosis. I wouldn't quote myself on those stats. I would check them, but um, it's fairly common, you know, even thinking within your own social circle or in your family, um, it's pretty common, you know, all women will sort of, as Katie had done to me too, is just sort of like nod her head and understand, you know, mm -hmm. like, yep, I get it. Um, <laughs> but the, the range of severity is very vast, you know, some women don't feel much at all. Um, I mean, I had, I had a male professor once say that um, <laughs> in, in true smooth flow, you should not even like notice that you're having your period. Like there should be zero symptoms at all, which like I, humbly disagree oh, i'm sure everyone uh, in my class did <laughs> i can only imagine how that went over there is i think i like you never experienced you don't know what it's like <laughs> yeah, have experiences um i understood what he meant though in that there shouldn't be this this disabling pain mm -hmm. um but there's definitely some physiological actions going on you know like your your muscle of a uterus is contracting it is trying to shed a lining there's going to be blood your hormones are changing you're going to feel some mm -hmm. stuff but whenever you have that extreme knife-like stabbing, throbbing pain in your uterus, you're so nauseous, all you can do is lay in the fetal position or uh, rhythmic movement sometimes to, to help. It's kind of, to sort of compare it, it's almost like whenever you have food poisoning and whenever you're about to vomit and you feel that pain, like that's how bad it can oh, get. That, I, I've had food poisoning, I think three times in my life and mm -hmm. like i was laying on the bathroom floor with my stomach on like the tile and i was like this yeah. is it this is how i die if that's what a period feels like like yeah man like my empathy just went to a whole other level <laughs> for some women it's 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 like that you know and and you know and they're always so brave and strong and they're like oh, it's not so bad it only lasts for a day <laughs> but, I got food. I'm telling you, if you're, if this is food, I thought I was like, I was dead. That was it. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it can be. Then again, you know, there are for some women where it's, it's much milder and it's mm -hmm. okay. And they just have to take it easy that day or, you know, being kind to yourself kind of thing. But, um, so there is this big range, but that's kind mm -hmm. of what I find is important is, is learning about where do you place yourself in that range? You know, I don't like the word normal for talking about mm -hmm. people because as a naturopath, we're all about individuality and um, you are a person, not your symptom or not your disease or not your diagnosis. Um, so, you know, for each person, normal means a very different thing. So how do you, how do you identify it? Like, what are the questions you're, someone comes in to, to, to see you about, you know, period pain or endometriosis and how are you diagnosing? How are you trying to identify? Because they're normal, you're normal or whatever the normal actually should be. So what are you how are you assessing it? Mm -hmm. um, so one one thing I love, Dr. Lara Bryden is a naturopath um, who wrote a wonderful book called The Period Repair Manual, which I highly recommend. Um, but she calls your period your monthly report card, which <laughs> I really like. That. You yeah. know, it's, it's so accurate. It tells you how your how your month kind of the month that you've had. As a general rule, of course, there can be some other factors that that play into here. But, um, you know, if you've been very stressed, uh, you haven't had enough sleep, you haven't had enough good nutrition, um, you know, too many of the more inflammatory or 
um, things that can affect your hormones like alcohol, sugar, um, you know, poor dietary things like lots of fried foods and high salt and all those types of things that can definitely play a role. Do any nutri nutrient deficiencies have an impact? Like if you're protein deficient or... Um, iron deficiency, okay. for sure, um, because you're losing so much blood. It okay. will play a role. Um, magnesium, definitely. Um, zinc deficiency. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to talk about it in terms of omega-3s, would it be called a deficiency? Like not really likely since we can still take in some from the diet and you can still use omega-6s, but it'll definitely play a role in terms of, uh, it can play a role in symptom presentation. Um, so with this kind of monthly report card, it can give you a lot of insight into that woman's picture, right? Because your body communicates with you through sensations, signs, and symptoms, right? It, it can't exactly just tell you. <laughs> um, so whenever I'm speaking with, um, with a patient about uh, periods, period pain, you know, I always ask a class of questions of like how long are your cycles from like day one to day one? Um, how heavy are the periods? Are you experiencing any spotting? Um, what are the characteristics of the blood? This is a common um, thing to look at for traditional Chinese medicine. Do you have PMS? Is there any pain? And then other things like bloating and breast tenderness and headaches and sleep and mood and bowel habits, all sorts of things. These can give you some insight into what's going on underneath, you know, like where does this patient need support? Do they need support in the digestive health, into liver, into endocrine with hormones? Um, it can show you a little bit more about their whole picture. And then we can get to work on healthy foundations because we can see where things need support. Um, you know, so so maybe those things are under under eating period, right? If, if uh, someone who is not receiving enough calories can lose their period entirely. Wow. There's some nutrient deficiencies. If the stress can play a huge role, you know, I had a patient who uh, as soon as, she wanted to start to conceive she got really really anxious about the whole fertility process and she lost her period <laughs> like it went all over the place um other things too like um blood sugar control um thyroid concerns inflammation can all play a role in in the health of the the cycle as well and you know people think of like reproductive hormones as just having a role in the period but they of course, they help you ovulate and, and they carry out menstruation, but all of the cells in your body have receptors for these hormones. And so they can have an effect on all sorts of aspects of your health. So when I'm talking to patients about their periods, we really do a deep dive. Um, people who've never seen a naturopath before, I was just like, wow, I've never had that question before. And I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I think it's interesting. The, the, did you call it the period report card? Is that what you called it? Yeah, your monthly I think that's like, what it could like. I mean, it, it sounds like I mean it's a lot to put your body through, but it's pretty. It sounds pretty interesting the amount of insight that you can get from your period in your overall health. Uh, it's that's amazing to me that you can get all that you can garner all that information from from that. So yeah, and kind of using it as a barometer. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it like from that kind of standpoint, and obviously, like you mentioned, flow. And like, that's like, I mean, I, I just hear a commercial kind of when you mentioned that in the background, like I'm watching TV and you get this like, you know, weird commercial that nobody's kind of paying attention to, or you're kind of giggling about it, whatever in the background. But it's like, it's a multi-billion dollar industry that's been built off, you know, uh, periods. 
And, and, you know, that's what I hear like, oh, maximum flow, this flow, like, like what, yeah. the, like, I don't understand any of what is going on. I don't understand why these have to have wounds on them. Like what yeah. the heck is going on? You know, a lot, of, a lot of women are annoyed that we have to pay for these sanitary products. You know, Scotland just, uh, is all yes. the news recently made them free, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is amazing. Um, but that is something that we talked about too, because there's another whole category is what do you use? Use tampons, use pad or use the organic ones, right? Because, your vagina is a mucous membrane. Uh, mucous membranes tend to absorb things more easily than your skin, which has yeah. a bit of barrier against things. So if you're having those bleached cotton products, some of those chemicals can be absorbed into the, to, into the mucous membrane as well. Um, and then, you know, all, I think any or all women can know about toxic shock syndrome. Mm-hmm. The first time you had a period, you read all of the papers inside of the tampon box and got real scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You guys know about toxic shock syndrome? I do know about toxic shock syndrome, yeah. Just because I had a girlfriend who was terrified of getting it. If you you leave a tampon in there. It's amazing that like at 12, 13 years old or whenever you get your period, like you are already terrified of something so crazy. Like you have to think about that and at such a young age. Yes, and it freaks you out, right? Mark. No, I have to say I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm not alone. All right. Okay. All right. No. Uh, Victoria, do you want to fill us in on what that is? Yeah, toxic shock syndrome is like quite rare, but it's one of those. Um, it can be very bad, so that's why it's such a big warning. But it's caused from um, certain types of bacterial infections that can happen from having a tampon uh, in the vagina for too long. You know, so essentially it's, it's remained stagnant there for too long, and a bacterial infection has started. What's too, what's too long? So for, I think on the box, it'll say, what is it? Eight to 12 hours. Um, but 10 hours, that's crazy. But I, I usually would say like six hours and switch it up. So six, wow. seven hours. Yeah, no wonder. It's like a ticking time bomb. No wonder you guys yeah. are terrified of it. <laughs> you know, like the laundry was left there for a very long time. That's where we have that, that you know, higher risk factor. Crazy. You forget about it somehow, yeah. 12 years old and you're having the fear of god put in you and you, you know <laughs> these crazy changes and it's like oh man this is yeah. mm-hmm. well, and learning how to use these products as well um, right? that's got to be intimidating too it's terrifying yeah so and there's more options now too you know um i'm a big fan of uh suggesting to women to use whatever it feels best for their body but you know there are so pads and tampons everyone knows there's the menstrual cups and now there's also been more companies making um, period underwear which are just high absorbent underwear so that you can just have underpants on and you don't feel like you're wearing a diaper essentially you just throw those out like no you can wash them oh man <laughs> so you rinse them out first and then you like yeah. but it's like it's like it's very cool technology and super absorbent i appreciate the technology and, and yeah. the impact on the environment and like health and stuff. like that's some shit that i would have to get used to <laughs> do any of these products help with the pain at all or are some better than others yeah. You know, for some women, and this is also in Chinese medicine, is uh, something like a tampon can disrupt the flow because it's sort of like a plugging sensation. So mm. being able to have free flow for some women feels better. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, there can be some discomfort with using something like a tampon as well because it's a highly absorbent sponge, essentially. And so if the menstruation is very light, then it's just very drying and that can be uncomfortable. 
Um, but I would say that like in those tampon box, like when my wife sends me to the store, they got all these different flow things to follow your period, like ooh, heavy, medium, light. And I'm like, I don't know. It's all color coordinated and yeah, it's intimidating. So typically at the start of the period, that's going to be the heaviest time of flow, right? Because usually a woman will maybe experience a little bit of spotting first, um, which is sort of cluing her in that it's coming, but she'll usually know because she's like, oh, this, this, this happened. I know I'm getting my period. Mm-hmm. And that's different with each woman, right? Because usually women are like, you know, chocolate cravings or, you know, I'm emotional mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm bloated. It might be all of those things. It might be none of those things. Everyone kind of presents differently. Um, but then, you know, your day one of your cycle is your heaviest day. Usually day one, day two will be your heaviest day. And then it starts to taper off a bit. But if you think about it, the uterus is a muscle that is expelling all of this lining. So it's going to try and get it all out mm-hmm. in those contractions. That's when the pain is happening. And then it's a bit of a trickle off as it sort of completes so are any of these like pains preventable? Like, is there anything you can do to kind of like not have to deal with? I remember, cause I know like when my, when my wife was pregnant both times and she was like, the best thing about being pregnant is not getting a period like that. Yeah. Is, and it sounds, it sounds like I need to get her in touch with you. Cause like, I think, you know, the work you do could have a, a lot of benefit for what she goes through. And, and I'm likely going to, you know, we're going to recommend that and get you guys on a zoom call after. But, <laughs> so sweet. What do we like? Is any of it preventable? Like how or, or yeah. how like or like? Let's put it on a scale where like let's say you're at a ten. What mm-hmm. can you? Like, how much can you scale that down? Mm-hmm. It uh, the 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 wonderful answer that everyone hates is it depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends on the on the woman's picture, right? So things that you can do. We always start with your health foundations, so the pillars of health, which we got to talk about at length that one day as well. So like, how are you eating and digesting, sleeping, moving, relaxing? So where can we help you in that setting? You know, so uh, that might be just making sure that you have good foundations there or it might be some dietary strategies like reducing those things. We talked about sugar, alcohol, sometimes caffeine um, salt can be culprits um, or other common inflammatory or allergenic foods like dairy and gluten. But then there can be other um, treatments definitely that you can use. Acupuncture can be very effective. They're most probably most common supplements used would be period relief, really. I love oh. acupuncture, like so I'm all over the it, it can do wonderful things. Really? And what, uh, what is it like relaxing the muscles or what is it like in Chinese medicine, there it depends on your diagnosis essentially. So there are a few different ways that you can develop pain through like blood stagnation, chi stagnation. If there's not a flu- smooth flow of chi, if you're deficient, um, and so sort of aligning everything to have a smooth flow of chi to address the underlying concerns um, and can help with kind of fine tuning cycles. I find acupuncture really effective whenever working with women with fertility who are trying to work with, you know, am I ovulating? When am I ovulating? Are my cycles long enough? Are they too long? You know, so working with that kind of um, optimal cycle, uh, acupuncture can be very effective to do weekly treatments. Um, Other things you can do, I'd say the most common supplements are probably magnesium, turmeric, or curcumin, and then fish oil will probably be the top recommended ones. Yeah, we get reviews uh, for that sometimes, and it, it yeah. it's always puzzling for me. Well, I shouldn't say puzzling, but it's always 
interesting to me to see yeah. that. Be like, oh, I started taking these omega threes, and my period, you know, the pain has and gone down, and it's become more regular. Usually on, usually on the high EPA, omega three will have a, a nice impact on both period yeah. pain, but also on on the the mood throughout the period yeah. as well. It can have a significant exactly. impact. We hear a lot about that as well. Totally, and it, that's that omega six to three ratio, right? So that's a, that's a big part of there is reducing the prostaglandins. Um, you know, so for for one patient I had, we did uh, we did a modified dietary approach and we added a couple of vitamins i think and her pain levels went from a nine out of ten down to a four wow that to me was like that's like life improvement that's like life improvement big time um you know then again i had that with another patient we did all those things and her her uh her pain didn't really change much maybe probably your commitment to it has a has a big impact right like if you really commit and you kind of really dig in and you're really committed to making a change then you can see the change i would agree with you for the cases in which this will work for them but if that doesn't fit their picture if that's not the cause of the pain in the first Mm -hmm. place then it's not going to do super much maybe it'll help you in other ways where you're like wow my bowel movements have improved or my mood is better or overall things I'm sleeping better, whatever it might be, you know, whenever you're working with those health optimization strategies, which we're like, just trying to like help you as a whole mm-hmm. and see if that helps this part of your physiology. Um, but if it's not that, you know, if it's endometriosis, you know, giving a little bit of vitamins, fish oil and, and some dietary changes isn't really going to, to fix that. It might help a little bit, but whenever we're getting into the more severe or the secondary dysmenorrhea cases, uh, that's something where we need to really figure out what the diagnosis is and then try to work within that. Things like endometriosis, adenomyosis, and fibroids are notoriously very difficult to treat. Hmm. So whenever we're in that... Like like you just kind of rhymed all these conditions off. Like to my mind, I I think like PCOS and endometriosis and like what's the fundamental difference between these like level, these, these different things? Well, I mean, I feel like this could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, well, let's do a different podcast about it. Because I think the differences of the menstrual conditions, because there's a lot to say about each of them, you know? Yeah. Um, So I don't want to like dive right into there too much. Just just give us the cliff notes, like the kind of brief kind of thing, bang, bang, this is what it is. And I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm amazed at how like interested I am about this. Like I'm I'm learning a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's save that for another day. Then we can do it properly and we can, we can, that'll be fun. Um, But you know, so, so the, 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 the trick is really is with, I think just the entire field of, of naturopathic medicine and, and, and a lot of those allied healthcare professionals is working with that person as a whole of like, how can we fix you or not fix? I don't like that word, but like, how can we help you mm-hmm. to yourself? Right. Um, so finding the root cause, because there's a lot of treatments available for symptom control, which can be very helpful and very needed. But whenever you have something chronic or cyclical that repeats, where can we find the root causes to help improve that? That's going to have the more uh, impact. Then- and that's why I love naturopathic doctors right there. <laughs> For that reason, it's not necessarily treating the symptoms, but it's just kind of improving the life of the person. Exactly. And the cause. Yeah. That's what I say to some of my new patients. You know, I can't guarantee that we're going to fix these things that you've come to me for, but I can guarantee that we'll fix something. You know, mm-hmm. there will be some effect um, through the work that we do together because we are complex beings who have many systems that 
interrelate, you know? I got a question for you. Just on like what you talked about, like some improvements and things like that, but there are a lot of band-aids that that kind of get put on to kind of address some of the the uh, the symptoms that are going on during kind of period and period pain. And the first thing I think about is Midol. You know, like it's like, where's my Midol? Or Katie mentioned, where's the Advil or whatever? And it's like, you're taking this like a lot during that kind of period. Is there like a negative health impact from this or any other kind of like traditional treatments or, or medications? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, for a lot of those pain relievers, um, they can be hard on the liver. Like there's, you know, on the side of the bottle, it'll say like take two every six hours to a maximum of this number of pills per day, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's looking at the half-life of how long that substance is going to live in your body and how long your liver has to break it down. So mm -hmm. if there's too much broken down then the liver can't keep up and it can end up causing liver damage. So that would be like, I would say the biggest thing. Um, but then, you know, things like NSAIDs, non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, they can like Advil, they can cause other issues as well. Um, like what, right. Like I was thinking like, lining, like yeah. I was amazed. I remember like when we were really diving into the omega threes and understanding the impacts of anti-inflammatories, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and and the amount was i think it was like over a hundred thousand people a year will actually die from the overuse of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and i'm looking at my doll and it's essentially the same thing and it had to do with blocking out the cox1 and cox2 enzymes because they can't identify which one's which and then one of those is responsible for producing that kind of protective barrier inside the stomach lining and you yeah. end up like basically having holes in your stomach and just bleeding out into your body and i'm like you know and that's like that leads into leaky gut and all these types of things so i'm thinking like if once a month you're just pounding an entire bottle of these these anti-inflammatories that can't be good for you no it's it's not it's a big concern it's a really big concern uh you know and especially patients who are prone to things like ulcers you know then they can't they can't take NSAIDs. um and then you know most patients will find that those anti-inflammatories so like tylenol versus advil for example advil is a pain reliever with anti-inflammatory effects, whereas yeah. Tylenol is a pain reliever, doesn't have that anti-inflammatory effect. Okay. So the anti-inflammatory thing is what's helping with those prostaglandins. Okay. And um, so it, it, Tylenol might not feel as good <laughs> for something like period pains, but whenever you can't take it, or if you're taking too much, you know, you gotta find some alternatives. Right. Um, and that's where I do like, you know, the more natural approach. I'm, I'm not against people using Advil when they need to use Advil, of course. Like, it exists for a reason, but it's if mm -hmm. you're constantly turning to it. It's a little bit like caffeine and alcohol. A coffee. Mm -hmm. and right, yeah. Everything in moderation. Yeah. A drink with your friends, a beautiful glass of wine with dinner, amazing. But whenever you're relying on that caffeine to get you through the day, on that alcohol to get you to relax and manage your stress, on that Advil to get you through any of your concerns, that's where it becomes more of a problem, more of a crutch. Mm. As opposed to letting your body do the things that it, it can do. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it depends on the, on the case and that kind of thing. But the other thing, too, with these things is um, with inflammation, with periods, inflammation period, but mostly with periods, you really want to get ahead of that inflammatory cascade. Because once it has started, it's harder to manage. Yeah. So, you know, I often will do protocols for patients which are like, all right. <laughs> In the week before your period, we're going to do this, um, you know, to try and, and 
and soothe that inflammation before it even occurs. So, so how long is the process from the time they start implementing these changes and diet? And I would guess exercise probably has a big, a big impact on it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how long does that take to start seeing the actual results? Like, is it a, a month one thing or is it a month three thing? I usually tell women three to six cycles just to give right. us some time to play. You know, with that one patient who went from a nine to four, that happened in one, one wow. cycle. But wow. that was just, you know, that it was a big clue to us showing that those were the big mitigating factors mm. um, for other women you know it, it it might be a bit more complex it's not like taking um fish oil today is going to turn over all of your cells yeah. you know that takes some time uh to implement which is why fish oil is often one of those treatments i tell people you want to give this one some time you know mm. so a lot of treatments i say if you don't feel anything within you know, it depends, 10 to 10 days, 14 days, 30 days, depending on what it is, you know, maybe we need to change the dosing and this isn't working. But for something like fish oil, um, you typically, you'll need to give it a little more time to work its magic. We're trying to optimize the omega-3 index, right? So it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. So three to six cycles is usually what I tell women to expect. Um, and depending on what strategies we're doing, um, and then also you have to build in time for figuring out testing and things like that as well. Because sometimes you might try some things while you're investigating and then change tactics once you find out more information. And then, you know, the other times too is whenever you want to refer for some diagnostic imaging with their medical doctor. Because naturopaths can order some blood tests, urine tests, um, stool tests, but we cannot order ultrasounds, x-rays. MRIs, anything like that. So that's where we collaborate with our MD pals and yep. send them for, for assessment to see if there's anything else going on. So that kind of leads me to the next question. So given the fact that everything's kind of been so normalized and it's just you're told that this is going to be a terrible time of the month and you're just going to have to deal with it and, you know, here's some Midol and, you know, kind of suck it up. At what point should they seek kind of like advice or a consultation with a uh, and like a naturopathic doctor mm -hmm. i would say definitely seeking a healthcare practitioner period if you've got that really severe pain that kind of every month it's a nine or ten out of ten disabling pain that throbbing burning searing stabbing pain um which will cause you to miss school or work or keeps you from doing your activities of daily living or if it's pain so severe that you know you're feeling like you're going to to vomit or it's not manageable by anything that you're trying and, and you can't kind of carry on um, your regular life at that point, I would say you should definitely be seeing a healthcare practitioner. Um, but then, you know, for, for the overall for women, I would say listening to your body, if there are some things that you've identified that you would like to know more about, absolutely go see a naturopathic doctor. We're really great health educators as well as um, healers, you know, who help you with some natural and alternative and lifestyle medicines that you can incorporate into your day-to-day -day life, which might be beyond just that one pain, you know? So mm -hmm. creating space for, for uh, building that, those healthy lifestyles into your regular life. Mm -hmm. So can people reach out to you kind of like, you know, uh, over the phone on your website or something like that because i think it's like this is great you're obviously super well versed in this topic i think our listeners would be very lucky to kind of communicate and talk to you so how how do people get a hold of you to, to talk to you about this yeah absolutely so um if you google my name victoria la liberté naturopathic doctor 
I have a website um, from which you can send me an email or you can book online. There's a free meet and greet for uh, new patients, which is a free 15 minute consult to discuss more about what to expect or whether we would be a good fit. Um, and then I have a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram as well. My handle is at Dr. Liberté. And um, yeah, just send me. Put this up. Make sure you put a link back to our website on it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because you're not only helping and educating us about periods, but you're also helping my relationship because now I can better connect with my partner. Yeah, that question. We were talking about before, the supplementation and the health and all this kind of stuff is going to go through the the woman to get back to the man to help him get healthier. I think there's going to be a situation here where men are going to listen to this and be like, hey, like, you, do we want to give her a call? <laughs> do, do we want to maybe learn some more about this or give her a call and kind of help you, like, you know, help understand this a little bit better and help maybe manage some of this a little bit better? And just be more in tune with, with how my partner's feeling, you know? Like, I should learn her cycle, you know, so I can know what she's going through. Like, oh, my God, she's about to go through some serious pain. Like, <laughs> let me do yeah. something nice for her. Yeah, understanding. Oh, that. I mean, like, I think, like, you know, I think, and it's interesting because I think like we were talking about before, like women are not, and I don't know if it's nature, nurture, whatever, but like women are naturally caregivers or more nurturing and things like that. And for us men, we're like fixers, right? So like, you know, I see this and I'm like, hey, this is not like, this is not normal. Or I just learned that you're not supposed to feel like that. And I'm going to fix that. And, you know, let's go like, so that's like kind of where my mind goes, you know, I'm going to fix this. And <laughs> And, you know, and she's like, and she eats super good. She's super healthy. It's like, so, but she does, you know, and in my mind, even before having this, it's kind of like, well, I guess that's just normal. But from what you're telling me, it's like, you shouldn't feel like that. So there's probably some things that we can, even though she's super healthy, eats very good, you know, helps keep me kind of like on my toes and kind of, you know, does all the meal prep and all this kind of stuff. I I think there's probably something that could be done to help even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. So that's not the issue. <laughs> it's finding finding uh, the the good uh, kind of balance for each person, right? right? Where where they're feeling their best, or they're feeling able to handle whatever whatever they're experiencing, their body's experiencing. And I think definitely for like the the men who are trying to fix it, you know, it's difficult because it's not necessarily something a man can fix whenever it's happening. So I would say definitely communicate about what do you need whenever you're experiencing this? You know, how can I help? Yeah. Um, I think that's a great place to start. And then learning to understand, uh, learning their cycles, honestly, is also, then you'll know, like, oh, you're ovulating. You're about yeah, to it's junk food night. I know it. <laughs> I'm picking up dinner. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's junk food night for you every night. So get out of here. <laughs> it's junk food night I get to share. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to eat it in the parking lot right before going into my house. I don't have little pieces on the way home and he eats the entire breadstick order before he gets there. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I don't receipt that says there's breadsticks. How come it's not on the order? Like, I don't know. They must have, they must have made a mistake. <laughs> better call them and tell them they forgot <laughs> yeah but i'm gonna go there right now and demand they give it to me and just I'll give them a ten dollar bill <laughs> no receipt this time <laughs> yeah, <no> receipt. <laughs> yeah but um but i i you know it's it's something that i think is great if if partners are more uh in the know and mm-hmm. involved with um with what their partner's feeling you know it's a, totally it's a part of their lives for a long time 
educating and understanding is like the first step, right? Like, so like, this is super helpful and insightful for, from my perspective anyway, and I'm sure like you guys probably feel the same way, but like taking that understanding it and then, you know, helping or encouraging to kind of like take the next steps and kind of like, you know, this book you talked about and like setting up a consult with you to see if there's, you know, if you feel like there's anything you could do to help, I think that's all great steps in the right direction. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I feel, I feel more educated on the topic. I after, like after. Yeah. I'm so glad. Okay. I'm going to make a note to myself that we're going to do next podcast will be about the, uh, deferring between the um various reproductive uh diagnoses so things like endometriosis pcos mm -hmm. fibroids what else would you like to know about max yeah i mean like thyroid issues like what else is like what like like let's identify instead of lumping it all together and kind of calling it one thing like like there's obviously some very significant things that will identify each one mm -hmm. what you're doing how you take how you diagnose those things and then what's the treatment plan for each one of these things like you know you can can kind of do a deep dive into that but like there's probably tons of people like you you mentioned like 10 or 20 percent of women going around with endometriosis like that's like that's a big number that is a very big endometriosis number. is so tough right because it's it's so hard to diagnose or even if it is possible to diagnose and you know the amount of people who self-diagnose with it exactly and then you hear about pcos all the time and like what is that like hormonal issues thyroid issues like what's going on like honestly like from a guy's perspective our body's simple like i got like you know it's not that complicated what's going on with me you know like but from a female perspective like like that's complex stuff like that's like you know i've got this like little mini tablet versus like this super juiced up computer like not the, like it's just it works different you know what i mean it's like it, yeah it's, and there's much more to understand and from a guy's perspective like i don't know like i think we're always just raised with like you know we stand up to pee and and that's just how it works you know what i mean it's very simple and as a the only difference is between boys and girls yeah i can write my name in the snow no problem i'm not just talking about a biology class i'm talking about like things work differently and there's like you know a lot more systems that tie into each other and and there's a lot more kind of like, you know, health issues, I think, that can that are much more obvious or that can come up because of this this monthly cycle and, you know, the, the report card that you get from from what's happening. And it's, you know, I think it's from a guy's perspective and even from from a female perspective, it's probably too too normalized and there's not an un, enough understanding around around the topic. Yeah, I think and we I, as a species so much more really... that we can do only benefit from getting to know the people around us better, you know? I agree. I mean, like, yeah, so we're not going through that monthly cycle, but it's like we're there for it, right? Like, I mean, it's not like I can, and I, you know what? I've got two girls that in like in the future, you know, like six years from now, it's going to be intense in my house. It's <laughs> about period product. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to be able to be like, not like a hands-on dad, but I don't want to just like hand it off to my wife and just like, I'd like to have a better understanding of like what's going on and like supporting it better. I mean, mm -hmm. we all have, all three of us all have daughters. Absolutely. And it's like, We're all becoming better fathers for having done this podcast. True. 
right? And I, think could, and I think probably a lot more dads out there could benefit from as well. It's just not just for the relationship with the wife, but like just an overall understanding. I'd be like, wow, like this is like, I don't want to just be like, oh, you got a period. Like, oh, you're emo-. like, you know, it's like, what is it like? You see it in TV shows all the time or like you hear some friends like, oh, she's on her period again. Uh, I'm going to get out. It's like, man, like if if I like had to cope and live with like, like and, and try to live as normal as possible with like, food poisoning forget about it like i had a i had a freaking abscess in my and behind one of my teeth like a couple of weeks ago and i was the grumpiest fucker around you know like it was like like in that's some shit that's just the reality of what it is so if yeah. i had to do that like are you kidding me yeah it's like, very real real concerns happening and also yeah. the, the parenting piece too you know a lot of a lot what used to happen a lot i think it's still happening but more education is happening about it now but for young girls teenagers who have these really really terrible periods what was the main solution is to go on birth control Mm -hmm. um it's no longer your own period you're having a withdrawal bleed from the hormones that you're taking so birth control can also have all these health implications so in terms of parenting and and you know the person who's responsible for your health essentially until they're adults um that's something i think that more dads should know about too yeah and then they like you like young girls they do that and they're given this powerful hormones to kind of regulate their period and stuff like that and then like i i remember like being younger and having some girlfriends that are like almost gaming their period like i'm gonna fuck around with my birth control because i don't want to have my period when during the holidays this year, because we're going to be, you know, we're going to be having fun or we're going to be doing, or we're going to the cottage this week. So like, and it's like, that can't be, there's no way that that's good for you. So according to one of my professors, (laughs) medically, there doesn't seem to be a real consequence of skipping periods like that, but there's a other picture with that in general, because whenever you're on the pill, you're not having a period. You're not you're not cycling like not the, not to sound sexist but who the hell's coming up with these rules like is this like like is it men that are putting this shit together because they have no fucking clue what the hell like i just want to fucking control control, you know <laughs> things would be different <laughs> i heard there actually is a male birth control pill but the side effects were very similar to female birth control pills and they deemed it unsafe <laughs> unsafe for use yeah uh, yeah yeah. Well, this was super fascinating. I'm looking forward to doing the other show. We'll have to get that up on the calendar. Yeah. I think both women and men and dads with daughters can greatly benefit from this information. So I hope they take the time to listen. And I hope a lot of people reach out to you because it sounds like so many people can benefit from the advice and the help that you can give. So thanks so much for being on the show with us. Thanks, this is always great. Always love your energy. And I appreciate having you guys on the show with me today, too. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. 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 It was fun. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Calvin, Katie, Mark. Bye. Bye.